Well, hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Nefesh podcast. We are so excited that you are with us, and I am thrilled to have as a special guest, Mr. Harley Bailey. Now, that is, that's your middle name, right? Harley is your middle name? That is my middle name, yes, ma'am. And your first name is Spencer, is that right? Yeah, that's it. But Harley is, you know, much more cool, right? Like Harley Davidson. That's- Everybody says it, so that's exactly how everybody goes with it. Well, I'm so thrilled to have uh, Harley uh, join us this for this episode. I had the privilege of uh, teaching one of the classes that Harley took and was just so moved, so touched by your story that you shared, your experiences, and um, just am amazed at some of the pictures that you showed and, and who you are today and what God has brought you through. And so I am thrilled that you're going to be here with us sharing your story, your life story, the miraculous work that God has done in your life. Um, Now you are in Florida, is that right? Yes, ma'am. I'm Panama City, Florida. Yes, ma'am. And you know, I, I, I have a hard time. I'm, I've been to Florida a couple of times, but I, you know, basically just went to the airport and the hotel. I, I really didn't get to see all the fun stuff. And I forget that Florida is Southern. So we've got, you know, were you born and raised in Florida? Cause you've got a Southern accent. Yes. Yeah, so I was actually born in a really small rural town. Um, there was actually only 1500 people in the town that I was, uh, grew up in. Wow. And that was in yeah. Florida. Yes, ma'am. It's about 30 minutes away from Panama city. So it just, I, I always forget, I feel like Florida is its own little, you know, I don't know, kind of like California, we're very unique and, and we don't feel like we have accents, but you, there's, it, Florida is still Southern. And so you get that, you know, small town at various points and, and yep. Southern accent, which I really like, um, but share a little bit about yourself, what you're doing now. So you are a young adults pastor, is it right? Yes, ma'am. So I'm actually, uh, what they call it is a next-gen pastor. So I cover anything from nursery all the way up to young adults. Wow. And yeah, it's a very large uh, role that I took on about a year ago now. Um, you know, I was called to be a youth pastor back about three years ago, and I stepped into that role. Um, and then, you know, just kind of going through ministry here at the church I'm currently at, um, our senior pastor and our kids pastor left in the same month last year. Oh, wow. And so when they left, I was kind of put into this like spot of where, okay, uh, what can we do now? So we went through, you know, of course, a lot of churches may go through this, but like a, like an interim pastor role. Um, and so we had an interim pastor come in. Um, but they were like, man, we really, um, just aren't focused on a kids pastor right now. We just want to focus on the senior pastor. So we would love for you to take on all of next generation. And I'm like, okay. So, um, you know, of course I'm like, I give them the typical Christian response. I'll pray about it. <laughs> <laughs> and but were uh, you like freaking out a little? I was honestly like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, man, I don't know if this is what God called me to do. And that was one of the biggest things that I fought with. I don't think God called me to, you know, the whole next generation. I know he's called me to youth ministry, but kids ministry kind of scared me in a sense. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, short story, we, me and my wife prayed about it for a few weeks. And we felt, you know, just the call of maybe that God hasn't called us specifically to kids ministry. But I know that he's called us to serve at a higher capacity. And so we, we, we trusted him in that time. And so we've been in this role for uh, right at a year now. We've been serving from nursery all the way up to young adults. And it's been a, 
you know, it's been a haul, but it's been one of the biggest blessings that me and my wife have both walked through. I love that. I appreciate you sharing that. I, I have been through similar experiences where I was serving at a church um, that I really, it was a, a church that I really wanted to be at. And I, even though, you know, I love kids, but kids ministry is a whole other thing. And so uh, that was the area they needed help with. And I said, all right, I'll, I'll go in and I'll, I'll help with your nursery and help with your kids. And it was for a, for a season, right? And it was a, it was a growing season for, for me and, and no kids were harmed during the, during my tenure. And so that was, (laughs) no kids got lost. Well, maybe, maybe got lost. No, Um, but (laughs) Uh, but I understand that, you know, God calls us to certain moments and certain seasons, uh, even if it's a little bit outside of our calling, it stretches mm-hmm. us a little bit. Well, I don't want to take take time up talking about me and my experiences. So let's go right back to you and just take us from the beginning. I know your your again, your story starts at the very beginning. And so take us away. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a. Uh you know, looking back at it, you know, and I know we've talked beforehand, but like, you know, I've shared my testimony a thousand times, but, you know, people's testimony can range from five minutes to an hour. And, you know, I honestly sometimes think like my testimony is still being lived out. And so like, even from the start when I was born, you know, like I said, like at the start, I was born in a small town and, you know, my graduating class where I'm from was only 25 people. Wow. And, and that was the uh, public yes, school, right? That was the public school <laughs> where I was from. Yeah. And so I think the, I think the whole school um, had, I mean, maximum three, 400 kids. And that was it. Uh-huh. Um, and so very, very small town. Um, but, you know, a lot of people uh, don't like small towns, but I just really, I really loved it. Um, you know, a lot of people making jokes about, oh, man, you can go to the grocery store and have a family reunion. Well, that's how it was. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, where I'm from, like, you, you would go to town and you knew everybody. There wasn't one person you didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so it was very refreshing. And so in that sense, though, it was very easy to be in a Christian lifestyle where I'm from because there was only two churches. It was a Baptist church and there was a Sim of God church. And if you didn't go to one, you went to the other. Um, there really wasn't a lot of people in our town that didn't go to church. And that was just the amazing thing about where I'm from is, you know, you were plugged in at a very small age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was something I was very blessed with. Um, and so you but, knew God, you had an, your, your experience or encounter with God started very early in your life. It was very, yeah, it was very young. You know, um, my mom always just made a joke. Like I used to, you know, drag him to church even when he didn't want to and you know it was it was just the truth of of it you know the reality of it was you know we would have those Monday night prayer nights and you know Tuesday night Bible studies Wednesday night youth and then do it all over again and but it was it was in the sense of that's just what life was that's all we knew and so it was the normal and so um when I, from when I was born, though, um, my dad, I love him to death. I love talking about him. Um, my dad was one of them fathers that was a very hard father. Um, he is uh, a guy that loves God. He loves people. Um, but he wanted what was best out of me and my brother. And so he pushed us to the very limits of everything that we did. Um, and I didn't understand at a very young age why. Um, now looking back at it. Um, 
it made me and shaped me into the man I am today. Um, but looking back at it, you know, I was, I was told to not told, I was expected to excel in everything that I did. Um, if it was sports, if it was church, if it was academics, you know, my, my parents really pushed me to be the best I could. Um, and so my dad, you know, just talking about him for just a minute and he comes from a very small town as well, just North of where I was born. And, you know, he played football and baseball his whole life. So he, of course, he wanted the same for me and my brother. Um, my brother per se didn't really take that route. Um, but you know, he's like, okay, you know, Harley, I, I really think I see potential in you. So I'm going to push you to be the best you can. I'm like, okay. And I trust him. I trust my dad. And so from a small, small age, I was probably three, four years old. I remember going in the yard and, you know, hitting baseballs off the tee and, <laughs> you know, throwing the football and, you know, just, it was the typical dad son relationship in the, yeah. in the yard and, um, started playing recreational lives you know, junior sports when I was probably like, you know, five years old, I remember playing football for the first time. Wow. And um, if you if you haven't saw me in person, I know we've met at Eco Conference back in March, but like, I'm a big guy, you know. You I'm, are I'm, tall. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Really tall. That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. And so like, you know, I was the, actually the tallest person in my high school. You know, I'm, I'm six foot seven. Um, and from a very small age, um, I was one of the biggest kids on the field. And so I remember vaguely, my dad remembers, he takes pictures and stuff. You know, my mom was one of my moms and taking video recordings back in the day of everything. <laughs> and she uh, used to take video recordings of my football games and specifically the beginning of them. And I didn't know why. So my dad would have to take a birth certificate to every football game that I played because the other coach would not believe that I was of age to play. Because <laughs> um, you were so and- big. I was just so big as a kid and they didn't understand. They're like, this kid is not like who he says he is. <laughs> they grow the bigger where you come from. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> exactly right. And it was just, it was just what I knew. And so anyways, at about five years old, five, six years old, we started to notice some things, me playing sports. We would play football games on Saturday mornings is when they were when I was a kid. Um, and, I got into a cycle of I would start missing church on Sunday. Mm. And this this went on for like, you know, a while. And my parents were like, why is he not like wanting to get up for church? He's always, you know, wanting to go to church, wanting to go to church. And my parents knew that I had flat feet when I was born. I had flat feet from since I was born. But they didn't know why, you know, I was skipping church or hurting mm. or didn't want to walk. And that's when it come to play. Like, man, there's something bigger here. And so... Um, so you would thanks. go to you would go and do the games on Saturday, but by Sunday you didn't want to go to church, and you didn't you didn't express that anything was wrong or that that. Yeah, I mean, I guess just as a young age, you know, thinking back at it now, I just I, I was hurting so bad mm-hmm. that I just thought it was normal to be sore after a game. I oh, thought yeah. it was the normal kid response. To, okay, okay, I played a big game. I'm sore. Got it. Um, and so I didn't really think anything about it. I'm like, okay, I just got to, you know, wear it off and I'll be good to go Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it went. And it was just a cycle. Well, after a few months, you know, close to a year, my parents were like, okay, there's something bigger here. And so we went and seen, you know, some doctors and stuff. And they're like, yeah, we here's some things we see. Um, you know, we, we don't really have the stuff to fix it. You know, he has flat feet, his ankles are extroverted. Um, what does that so mean? 
uh, extroverted. So when um, over the years um, for me playing sports and stuff, when my ankles were extroverted, my bones and my ankles started to fuse in a sense and um, started to take shape in a way that they weren't built to be. Wow. And so when I walked, um, I, I make jokes about it now. It's like all my kids and youth, but like, my mom used to have tile floors in her house. And so we would go swim in the pool and get out. And I remember my feet, they would suction cup to the floor. Wow. And so like I would walk on the floor and you would just hear like a, you know, a suction cup every time I walk. <laughs> and it, uh, your feet were like sticking to the floor. Like you couldn't, you'd have to. They were, yeah, they were like the so, struggle. yeah, they were so flat that every time I, I would take know. a step, it would literally like suction to the floor. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's how bad my uh, feet were flat. And so wow. being extroverted, my feet were not straight. They literally turn out um, oh, at like a 45 wow. degree angle. Okay. And so um, I'll make the joke now because, I, I mean, I laugh about it. You know, it's my yeah. testimony. I think it's amazing. But like um, I talk about it like in a sense of I walk like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and you know, I used to walk like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> And um, that's just how I can explain it. I used to yeah. walk out like Mickey Mouse, and that's just how it was. So can um, I ask, you know, from a young age, you're learning sports, and yet you've got this condition. Did you always, did did you, did it always hurt to walk? Did it, did it always hurt when you were engaging in sports? And at a young age, were you just not really thinking about it or talking about it? Because it's hard when we're young. We don't, we don't always communicate um what is or, or are able to communicate what is going on yeah. and so did it always bother you did it were you always in pain um i can remember as far as i can remember back um i was not always in pain but i knew that if i did something like extreme like play a sports game or um go running let's just say anything physical um it would it would hurt start hurting pretty bad um and so not really like per se like walking you know like through school or nothing like that i remember my feet would be sore after a long day of walking or something but um i mean it was just in a sense of if you did something more than you should Mm -hmm. walking let's just say if you did more than walking it was more of a hassle than it was like of a good thing um and, you know, I remember my dad, you know, he would, he was try everything, you know, um, my dad's the one, you know, I don't know if you know what Epsom salt is, but like, yeah. I mean, he would, we would, I remember soaking my feet Epsom salt every oh, single night, like wow. trying to take the pain away. And, yeah. you know, just remember my dad, you know, he's that person. I'm going to try everything I can. Cause I see my son in pain. Sure. Um, and both my parents, they, they went to like the ends of the earth, try mm-hmm. to like help, but there was really nothing you could really do. Yeah. Um, and so I remember going to see like doctor after doctor after doctor. And I think by now, you know, I was probably, man, seven, eight years old. Um, and I remember my mom, you know, talking to me. She's like, you know, we found a, a hospital in Tampa, Florida. Um, the hospital is actually called Shriners Hospital. If you know what the Shriners Hospital yeah. is. And uh, she's like, we're going to take a trip down there. There's a specialist that wants to see you. Um, and so we, we took a trip. And we went down there. I remember going we went with the Bush Gardens one day. She made like a whole trip out of it. And um, I remember going and seeing the doctor at the hospital. And um, the doctor come in there like with a happy face. He's like, man, he's like, we can, we can fix the problem. We got you. 
Um, he's like, this is what we're going to do. We're, it's kind of triple fusion is what I called it. Um, he's like, they're going to do a triple fusion means we're going to put three screws in your ankle and you'll be good as new and you'll be good. And so I was like, man, that's awesome. Like, you know, I remember my response was cause my dad, I guess instilled this in me, like I can go back to playing sports. Mm-hmm. And that's when he looked at me and says, man, he's like, you can't, you can't do anything physical. You can, you can walk and you will not be in pain, but you can't run or do any sports anymore wow. for the rest of your life. So um, at seven or eight, this specialist is telling you we can fix the problem, but no more sports. Yeah. So like basically we'll fix your pain, but we're taking away what you want to do. Um, and at a young age, I remember that hurt me. I mean, I remember sitting there, I mean, it really struck me because I think more than anything, like I was upset about myself, but my dad, yeah, you know, I was like, my dad's going to be so upset. Um, and I just remember feeling that way. And so, Mm -hmm. um, my mom, man, she is a praying, praying, praying warrior. And she prayed Mm -hmm. and prayed and prayed. I remember praying. And, um, so, like I said, I'm from a small town called Wee Hitchka, Um, and that's a it's a hard word to say. I'm not even gonna um, try because it, <laughs> it it would so not come out good that <laughs> it's yeah. We have to honestly sing it to be able to know how to spell it. That's how bad it is. Um It sounds so Native American. I'm it is actually it is. Actually the Indians are the one that is behind the the town. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, like we're from a small town, it's like 30 minutes east of here in Panama city. And I remember my mom's like, okay, there's one more person I want to go see. Um, because I honestly, I told mom, I was like, I remember telling her like, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm not going to give up sports. I'm not going to give up running. I'm not going to give up being a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we come over here and the, the doctor's name over here, me and him have a relationship to this day. Um, and his name is Dr. Jensen. He's, he's still in practice here. And I remember walking in and, um, he did something so weird to me that I've never experienced before. Um, he, back then they used to take molds of people's feet. And so I remember laying on his bed and he came in there with like, like clay or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And he molded my foot and he took it out. And he's like, man, this is what your foot looks like. This is, this is it. And I remember him telling me, he's like, man, he's like, this is not going to be you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like, we're going to fix you up. And I'm like, okay, you're going to fix me. I'm the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no. He's like, oh, no. He's like, I want you to uh, give me uh, tickets to your next football games because I'm going to be there. Wow. And wow. I asked when he, and he literally just like opened everything up. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just remember that moment, you know, feeling like, okay, there's actually hope here. Yes. Right. And, um, you know, moving forward, you know, one of the things that he told us is my mom asked, like, how quick do we have to do this? And, you know, I don't know, a lot of people don't know this, but like as a, as a male, um, by age 16 is really when you stop growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like 16, like maybe 18 is like when you, your body is like fully like developed to where mm-hmm. it's going to be. And so he's like, man, if we don't have this like soon, um, in the next, like at least year or two, like he's going to risk, you know, having problems the rest of his life if we don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I remember I had my first surgery on December 19th, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was on my right foot. And, um, I remember I was scared. I was literally, 
I mean, as a kid, I I was the problem child. I was always the one that broke their arms, broke their legs. I, that was me. Um, well, you were pretty I, active. You're playing all these sports, and yeah, I mean, come on, and you're so big, like, yeah. like that just makes sense. And it was, and it was like that. I mean, literally, I remember, um, you know, playing baseball, playing football, breaking this, breaking that, and it was just a okay, wow, he broke this and being a cast for eight weeks. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do it again someday, I'm sure. Um, and that and wasn't, so, like, that. those types of injuries weren't a problem to you. You just kind of took them in stride? Yeah, it was nothing, because I knew it was, okay, wow, this is just temporary. You know, yeah. we'll come out of this better than I was before. Yeah. Um, and so, but I just remember walking into this first surgery, like, knowing that there's hope. But at 12 years old, I really couldn't comprehend, like, I'm about to go through this major ankle reconstruction and like, I'm going to have to learn how to walk again. Wow. Uh, and I just remember thinking that like, how am I going to do this? Mm. And so short story, like I had the surgery. I was, remember I was in the hospital until Christmas Eve um, because it was like, it was that big of a surgery. Like my whole ankle, you know, everything would swell up so much. They won't let you go home unless, like, the swelling goes down. And unless you can essentially walk out of there is, is kind of the being able to walk out of the hospital, right? Yeah, well, no, actually, I couldn't walk for three months. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, so they wouldn't, like, because they literally, so in, like, a sense, uh, and, and to put it, like, in just plain terms, they had to, like, break every bone mm. in my ankle and put mm. it back together. Oh, can't even, um, can't even. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so it was, it was very, um, it was, it was a process that we yeah. went through. And, um, I, I remember it so well because, um, it, in a sense, it ruined my Christmas. Mm. Um, and that was something I really, really, you know, didn't enjoy back then. Yeah, is, of course. Not you, at 12 you know, years old. Like, this is a huge yeah. life changing event for you and yeah i mean you're just wanting especially as kids just want things to be normal just want to be able to enjoy the things that we look forward to i can't imagine going through such a major surgery that age that time of year yeah and it, it was i mean i remember waking up on christmas morning and it was just kind of like i don't even want to open presents like because i mean you're for one you're in pain two you can't walk and it's just one of the things as a kid you're like like, why did we do this? And, but, you know, moving forward, three months go by, you know, finally get able to start walking, went through physical therapy. Um, physical therapy made me whole again. And, and honestly, for the first time in my life, I was like, man, I see a difference. And it felt great. Wow. Um, and, you know, after 12 years, that's a, that's a huge thing. Absolutely. Um, and so we go see the doctor. And he's like, man, you're good. You're clear to go. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. He's like, now let's do the, let's do the left one. <laughs> And I'm like, man, just let me let me breathe for just a minute. And so he's like, let's go ahead and schedule it so we don't wait. And so I remember like the next year, like 2013, I had my left foot done. Um, the exact same procedure, exact same thing. Um, and so we went through these two, and those were the two major surgeries that I had. Um, and, you know, exact same thing, reconstructed, three months go by, walking again, physical therapy was, you know, physical therapy was hard, but it was it was good. Um, and so I continued to go to school, continued to play football, baseball year round. So you um, were, I mean, pretty quickly, how quickly afterward were you able to jump into sports after these surgeries? So, 
Yeah, so I was very blessed. Uh, the physical therapist that my family hired, um, he was out of Weewall, and so we knew him. Um, and so, and this this might be very horrible, but I see it as a blessing. Um, he, my mom and dad were like, this is what he wants to do, so this is what physical therapy needs to be. And so, like, he wants to go back and play football and baseball, so I need you to push him so he can do that again if that's what he wants to do. Wow. And so I remember that, you know, 13 years old, I was, again, I was a big 13 year old. And so mm-hmm. I remember my physical therapist drove a little Toyota. Um, <laughs> it was like a, it's a little, little Toyota truck. I remember. And so I remember like on one of my last days of physical therapy with him, he's like, okay, Harley. He's like, if you're going back to playing sports, he said, I'm not releasing you until you do this. And so my family owns like a huge yard. We don't, we don't, we're on 10 acres in the middle of nowhere. And so, um, he, we walk outside and, you know, we do our stretches, everything. And I remember he gets in his truck, he puts his truck in neutral. He's like, you're fixing to push my truck 50 yards. No. And I'm like, I'm like, what did you just say? No. And, and he's like, you're fixing to push my truck 50 yards. Cause that will tell me if your foot's good to go or not. And I remember doing it. And I remember my parents and my brother sitting on the front porch watching as I pushed that truck across the yard. Wow. Um, and like I said, it was like a little truck, but I mean, still, I mean, it's just yeah. it's still a vehicle. And wow. um, that was just one of those things of this is what you want to do. Well, I'm going to get yeah. you where you need to be. And um, man, did that I think, like that, those experiences at 12 and 13, it sounds like they really toughened you in a good way. Like there's some experiences that that we can get toughened up in a hardened way. But I don't sense that. I've not sensed that ever in my interactions with you, that these things didn't harden you, but they really did toughen you, like strengthen your your character, so to speak. Like there's toughness to you in a good way. Yeah, and I've noticed that. It's um, a lot of people have asked me, like, how do you deal with issues like this? And, and I tell my wife all the time, because she's like the total opposite of me. Um, and you know, I can take a lot in, um, and like when I get hurt, okay, I'm hurt. I'll move on. Um, and a lot of people ask me like, how can you take all this in and not like explode in a sense? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've just, I've, I've walked through it. You know, it's the, it's not the fact I've walked through maybe this instance, but it's, I've walked through so much of my life that I can, I can take it. I can take it. And my yeah. dad's favorite, my dad's favorite phrase, because uh, he was, my dad was my football and my baseball coach growing up. And um, I remember him telling me, he's like, rub some dirt on it, you know, rub some dirt on it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, 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 daddy, rub some dirt on it. And um, I thought he was going to use the phrase that which doesn't kill you make you makes you stronger. Well, uh, he probably did it some days, but <laughs> hey, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I remember getting so mad at my dad sometimes and, like, why are you pushing me so hard? Like, you need to push my other teammates as hard as you're pushing me. <laughs> and and so, and it was just those conversations on the way home, you know, from baseball football practice. He's like, I want you to be better than everybody out there. And I'm like, okay, well, you want your whole team though, right? And he's like, yeah, I do. But like, Harley, he's like, you, you can do it. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen you go through it. Like, yeah. I've seen you work. I've seen you get here. Right. So I know that this isn't where you're supposed to stop. Right. And and I loved it. Like I really yeah. did. I was I was good at football. I was good at baseball. I just come natural. And 
Um, I mean, I remember, you know, even when we moved up into middle school, my dad wasn't my coach anymore. Um, it was just so easy for me to throw on some pads and hit somebody. I mean, literally, it was just a sense of I'm here to play a game that I've known how to play my whole life. Right. Um, and in a, in a small town, it's a little different, too. It's not like a huge school. Sure. Um, and so, you know, everybody, in a sense, we always just have the phrase and we walk, whereas you step on the on the practice field you're not friends no more. And I always ask that question, like, like, what do you mean we're not friends no more? And the reason they use this is because we only have, you know, 20, 25 teammates. We don't have 50 or 60 like these right. big schools do. Right. And so we were all best friends. Wow. And so we're like, we don't want to, you know, hurt anybody. Sure. You know, we want to hurt maybe another team, but not our friends. And, right. And so by my coach, she telling us, he's like, when you step on this field, he's like, you ain't friends for an hour and a half. Mm. and I was just like okay you know that's just how it was right um and so it was just those those moments and those instances that really like molded me to be like stronger and Mm. just push myself yeah um and so and I think I think honestly like looking back at it today you know you know I I use my wife a lot because she always asked me like why do you push yourself so hard Mm. and I'm like it's just it's not I don't I don't think I'm pushing myself hard mm. and I've honestly got it more in my mind I don't think I push myself hard enough mm. and there's been days where I'm just like man I'm literally I can't even stand up right now I'm so tired and she's like because wow. you've done more today than you should have mm. um and so um it sounds like you've got such a high threshold again for what you can handle and tolerate has that ever been are there ever times where you feel like that that there are moments when you maybe are pushing yourself too much, too hard, um, and where you've had to learn to, like, what have you learned where your threshold is and where it might be too much? I would love to say yes, but <laughs> I don't think I've gotten to that point yet. Um, and I think that's something I'm still trying to work on and learn is yeah. – you know, even even today, like um, right now in this in this season we're in right now, we're we're getting into a time where this is a move and um, we're building a, a house. And oh, so um, me and my dad are the ones that are doing it. And so, oh, my goodness. Um, and so we're doing it by ourselves. And so like like even like on Fourth of July on Tuesday, you know, my, my, my wife's like, you know, we want to go watch fireworks in my mind. I'm like. I got to go work on this house, you know? <laughs> and so, so I mean, you know, I don't know how it is in California or anywhere, but like here it's like 102, 103 degrees. Yeah. It, well, um, it's hot where I am. Um, and it's hot in other parts of California, but the, the summer is always, is always the worst. And yet this is yeah. the time when you're focusing on building your house. Wow. And it's, wow. and it's hot. And so like, you know, like Tuesday I come home and I'm like, you know, sweaty, hot, dirty. And she's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you've got to slow down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I got to get this done. Cause always like, I'm a big guy of achieving things. If I set my mind to do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, and so I won't stop until I get it done. So these two surgeries at 12 and 13, you, I think you indicated that these were the first surgeries that you had had. What, and you were able to get right back. Well, at least some point back into sports. Did you have to yeah. have other surgeries? 
they were minor surgeries I did. So okay. all in all, all in all, I've had 12 surgeries. I've had six wow. on each ankle. Wow. Um, and so, and some of them were just like minor procedures where they went in and like removed a pin or something like that. Um, but you know, there was some, I, so like, um, these past two years, I think my last surgery was in 2020. Um, I had to have a, um, they call it, I can't what he called it. It was like an OCD lesion is what he called it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, there was holes like, you know, deteriorating my bone. Oh no. And so they had to go in and put a five inch screw. And I think I put it in that PowerPoint that I sent. Um, there's a five inch screw oh. and an x-ray yes. that, yes. that went through my heel one in my ankle. And that's what's holding my ankle together. Right oh now. my gosh. Um, and so that's just one of the things like, that, that, that would be one of the major surgeries, but like, um, and so like today, like I'm so blessed because like, I, I, I can't remember how much, I mean, I say, I can't remember. I remember how much pain I was in as a kid and how I hurt. And, but today I'm just like, I'm walking, I can do anything I want to. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's a blessing. And, yeah. um, you know, even going through high school, I mean, it was, the pain just got less and less and less. Yeah. I mean, there was still days for sure that I had my bad days. Yeah. Um, but it was something that I could really bear. And, mm-hmm. um, at a very, very young age in high school, you know, on, in our school, at least, you know, our guidance counselor was always pushing us. Like, okay, let's start your college track now. So what do you want to do when you graduate? And I'm like, okay, God. And so me being a Christian, you know, I was constantly praying, you know, God, what, what do you want me to do? Um, I obviously don't want to do something that you don't want me to do because you brought me through all this. So like, why did you bring me through all this? Right. And one of the first things that popped into my mind, I felt like God was speaking to me was like, okay, Harley, what have I used to help you? And I'm like, wow, God, you know, physical therapy. Like you, I've always wanted to help people. And so that's my way that you have blessed me to give back is for one, to use my story, but also to help other people the way I've been helped. And so that was it. So I started my track, um, I think by midway through junior year, start my senior year, I was almost done my associates. Um, Wow. In high school, you were pushing right along. You're almost done with your your associate's degree in high school. That's incredible. Yeah. That was something they really pushed where I'm from is they want us, if you can to be, if not done, almost done with your associates by the time you graduate. That's fantastic. Wow. And so I remember, um, still played sports, football and baseball. And, um, there was, um, there was a, an honor level at our school. If you were in sports, full-time sports and also in like full-time academics at the school, then you got like a special award. And I remember when I was, when I graduated high school at graduation, um, I received the 4.0 high school academic um, sportsmanship award, which was like, I played football and baseball, then had a 4.0 grade point average throughout all high school. Um, and so that was like one of the things that they, they just gave people like that. Um, but, you know, if high school was really easy. It was, you know, it was routine. And like, in a sense, you see in the movies, like high school was a kingdom to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of people didn't enjoy high school. I loved it. Wow. Um, you know, it's not per se, like I loved studying or taking tests. I just yeah. loved being around my friends. I love playing yeah. sports. I love right. the interaction. 
Um, and I'm sure in a small town, it was way easier because mm-hmm. that's just what you did. Well, and, and I'm um, sure, I, wouldn't you, first of all, you're probably the tallest person in your high school. Yeah. But, but I'm sure people knew your story and knew how much you had overcome. And so you would have stood out, not just for your height, but for other reasons as well. And so did it, did it feel like, I don't know that you kind of had the respect of your peers, of your teachers, that that there was a little bit of a that uh, that you had this this almost safe place to just kind of be and um, people knowing you, knowing how far you come. Yes, 100 percent. And um, my my friends, my family, my teachers, everybody respected who I was because I come so far. And and I'm the type of person that I don't look to gain anything from what I've went through, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't want you to honor me for having surgeries. I don't want you to like, tell me, you know, man, I'm so proud of you. Like if you, I'm not saying like, don't, but like, sure. I, I don't look for recognition if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Right. And that was one of the biggest things. And so um, one of the biggest things that really helped me out is how our, our my football team is really was my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember as a junior and senior in high school, uh, we got a new coach when I was in 10th grade. Um, he come in, his name's Coach Tillman, and I call him my second dad. That's why I call him my second dad. And um, I remember probably halfway through my junior year, um, I started to realize that more and more football players just started coming to church. And I'm like, okay, okay. They're pouring in, pouring in, pouring in. And... Um, we didn't have what we call a choir at our church, but we had um, where our stage was set up in Weewall. You had like the band and then there was a platform that was set up like it wasn't choir risers, but they were just like, one big platform. Sure. And they made it open to anyone who wanted to come to worship practice and wanted to worship on stage. Oh, that's awesome. And it, it was different, but it was it was cool um, because like for me, I, God did not bless me to sing but he blessed me to worship. Mm-hmm. And so if you wanted to get up on stage and worship, you could. Um, and so I remember the one day that stuck out to me is we had um, what we call um, Super Bowl Sunday. And on Super Bowl Sunday, you can wear like your favorite sports team jersey or whatever you wanted to wear to church. And I remember all of the high school athletes wore their football jerseys. And there was probably 20 of us. Um, I mean, it was a lot of us. And I remember every single person worshipped on stage that day. Wow. Um, and I looked to my left and right. Like the, almost, it looked like the whole football team was up there on wow. stage at church. And it was like, wow. Um, and then what really hit me is I saw my coach mm-hmm. and everybody sitting out there. Um, and my coach come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and he would close practice an hour early on Wednesday nights because he said, okay, guys, it's time to go to church. I'll see you there. Wow. Um, and that was something I was really blessed with is because yeah. he was a man of faith and he was a man of everything that we stood for. Mm-hmm. Um, and he honored that, but he also took an initiative of his, of his own. He's like, okay, my football players are doing this. I'm going to do it too. Right. Um, and that was, that was really something I was blessed with. And, um, one of the biggest things that stuck out to me though, throughout all this time is how I could take a lot in, but there was only one thing that could break me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the only thing that could break me and still to this day is I don't know why it is, but um, when people in the past have like made a comment of, Oh, you walk funny or, Oh, wow. Mm. Why? And I don't get mad about it, but it's kind of like, Oh, that I just don't like when people like talking about my feet. Um, just kind of like an insecurity to me. And, and, and it was just very weird. But, um, but one of the biggest things that you could do to like upset me in a sense is if you were intentionally trying to like hurt me Mm. from like my, my legs down, my knees down, like, anything um and i remember my last game i've ever played as a singer in football um it was it was a game that we were playing and it was it was singer not and the team we were beating we're beating them beating them 52 to 6 wow um, i mean we're blowing them out of the water and um i remember it was just such a it was an amazing moment for like us as seniors and all we've walked through this together and i was just kind of like this is our final send-off and um, I still ask myself to this day why this happened this way. I, I honestly have not gotten an answer. Um, but remember the, the last quarter, we were like, coach was like putting people in on the bench that hadn't played the whole game. You know, like little like freshmen that maybe just haven't got no playing time of the year. He's putting them in. And, um, but coach like honored us as seniors. He's like, I'm not going to take y'all out because this is your last game. So I'm going to let y'all play the whole game. And so I remember um, probably about halfway through the fourth quarter, the game's probably about the end, probably about four or five minutes. And um, I remember we get to the line, and I, they always put the biggest guy on me. I don't know why, but <laughs> they always wanted the biggest guy to be lined up. Um, probably because you could handle it. <laughs> yeah. And so that's just how it was. But I, so I noticed something was very different about this time when we – we're in the huddle, you know, said break once in a line. And um, I looked up and not try. I'm, this is not me to make fun of anybody. This is just in reality. Um, there was a little, little freshman. And he probably weighed 120 pounds soaking wet. Um, and it just, just a little kid that looked like he's never, ever been in the football game before in his life. And me being the person I was, like, we were all having a good time. Like, all the seniors were like, we're just – we're still playing hard. We're having fun. And I remember looking at the, the kid, and I said, hey, man, like, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna hit you. I'm not going to, like, try to hurt you. I'm just, you know, just basically, like, go where I take you. I don't want to hurt you, if that makes sense. Right. And so I remember saying that to him, like, and you don't talk to people in the middle of a game, but I remember talking to this kid, like, I don't want to hurt you. Like, sure. I don't want to yeah. hit you. And so – um, I was like, just go where I take you and sure. we'll be good. And I remember snapping the ball and he dove at my ankle. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, he's scared, whatever. So in my mind, I was like, what was that? And so I went back to the huddle, come back again. And that's not it. for a football, still football novice. That's not what you would normally do. I mean, you're normally, you're pushing in. Like you're, are you a blocker? Is that the right term? Yeah, you're a blocker. And so this is called cutting is what he was doing. And cutting is when you're trying to take somebody's legs out from under them in football. It's legal in a sense, but it's a very, very um, disrespectful thing to do. Got it. Um, And so – and he did it again like two or three times every play. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And so I remember doing this. And like I told you, there's a lot of things that 
I can take in, but something just in me, he kept doing it and it would just, it got to me and got to me and got to me. And I said, okay, buddy, I said, I just want you to know, like, you know, don't do this again. Like, don't, I said, I really don't want to hit you. Like, just, I'm telling you. I remember he did it one more time and I was like, buddy, I was like, I was like, I was like, I'm praying right now. I said, yeah, I I can't remember why I told him, but I was like, basically told him, like, don't do this again. And probably in the middle of a football game, I was probably way more harsh than I was talking right now. (laughs) Um, But I remember when I snapped the ball and I knew he was going to do it again. And so I took a step back and he dug up my ankles um, and it, it set a switch in me. And this is not something I'm proud of. And I've told, and this is part of the testimony. It's, I remember I have a wear size 15 uh, size shoe. Wow. And yeah. And so my cleat was huge. And so um, I don't know what set this off in me, but I remember when he dove at me, I just simply put my cleat on his back and like stepped over him. Wow. And not to like hurt him, but just kind of like, you know, like, hey, you lay right there. Sure. Don't you touch me. Sure. And when I stepped on his back, I stepped between his helmet <gasps> and his shoulder pads. Oh. And um, I just heard a. Oh, no. I, I heard a crack. Oh, no. And so um, anyways, they take him out of the game. You know, it comes to realize that I broke his collarbone. Oh, Wow. And so, man, I felt so bad. I was like, you know, like, in a sense, I'm like, I told, like, I told you, like, don't do this. Like, and then this happens. And so we move on. Um, You know, back then you just, what the the typical coach response was like, he got what was coming to him. Right. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, he got what he deserved. Move forward. I forget about it. Mm -hmm. A year goes by, me and my wife, we walk down to a, uh, it's called the Seafood Festival. Um, it's in Apalachicola, Florida, down here on the Panhandle. And we're walking around, and I remember this kid walks up to me. And he's like, what's up, man? I was like, hey, man, like, I don't, I don't know you. You know, kind of, he's like, do you remember me now? And he pulls his shirt down. And I'm, I see a scar on, oh. across his collarbone. And I remember him looking at me, and he says, I want to apologize to you. Wow. And I said, I looked at Ash and, and I was just like, I teared up. And I was like, no, man, I want to apologize to you. He says, you mm-hmm. have nothing to apologize to me for. Mm-hmm. He says, my coach told me that the only time I would get playing time is if I come in and cut your ankles out. Wow. And so he apologized to me and we hugged and we, you know, we basically made up. But like, wow. um, I just remember that moment, like, I should be the one apologizing here. But he's like, no, mm-hmm. he's like. He's like, I'm the one apologizing here. And um, it just really set the mood of like, mm-hmm. okay, like there really, really are people who care, yeah. but there's just people who try to like take advantage. Yeah. Um, and honestly, just put it into like blunt terms, that coach was taking advantage of that kid of and taking advantage of me in a of sense. Course. Like you're, you know, you're this incredibly strong, tall, big guy. And yet, the one weakness, like they're, they're, they're capitalizing on it. Right. Yes. And yet what is so beautiful about that moment is it, I, I love the, the honor there. It, it's kind of it, like, it reminds me of the military, like these codes, these, these honor codes that, yeah. um, you know, I feel like we're struggling with in society, not just in as Christians, but as society, like 
there's something that is lacking. I don't know if it's post pandemic or what, but just, just a sense of honor. And so, um, yeah, you broke his collarbone, but he also was disrespecting you and you both were, were showing each other honor for that and like apologizing. I, I just, it's a beautiful moment, you know? Yeah. It was, it was literally um, just so breathtaking of like, and in my eyes, I'm kind of like, no, like something's wrong here. Like he's apologizing to me. I should be the one doing this. And that's what's like, man, like, like God brought us back together for that moment. And it was just so good. Uh, and I'm glad because I honestly forgot about it. Um, but that's something I probably would have held on to for the rest of my life if that wouldn't have happened. Like the um, guilt of that or? The, yeah, like just having... literally feeling feeling yeah. bad about it you know yeah. it's um i mean i can't i i couldn't imagine like telling the story today and be like i wish i would have saw that kid yeah i wish i could have talked to him and i, I got a chance to and that's just so, such a blessing so awesome yeah so you were headed into doing physical therapy what mm-hmm. what shifted and pulled you into ministry because that seems like the obvious choice yeah you you've, you know, you'd be an amazing physical therapist, um, right? Like that, yeah, that would be obvious. Yes, it was, that was, that was my goal. And so I remember my dad um, talking to my parents about it. I was like, this is what I want to do. And um, I started looking at these schools. And so um, I remember my coach coming and telling me, like, Harley, like you have potential to play college football. Like you, you can play college football. Here's your highlight reel. I'm putting it, I'm putting it out there. And so and my dad, my mom's eyes, like, okay, yeah, like yeah. You, you can play college football and get your college paid for. Right. So I'm like, sure, I think that's the obvious thing to do. And so, um, of course, I'm pretty sure every Christian knows about the school, but Southeastern University in um, South Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the biggest Christian schools around. And it was my dream to go to Southeastern. Wow. And um, I remember walking into a recruitment fair one day. And my coach looks at me and says, hey, just let you know, Southeastern University wants you to sign a contract today. <laughs> um, they want you, they want to give you a full-ride scholarship to come That's play football. Awesome. And I'm like, wow, God has blessed me. Like, this yeah. is it. Yeah. Um, and there was only two downfalls, though. Number one, they didn't have a physical therapy program. And okay. number number two, uh, I didn't know three months later I had to have another surgery. And oh. so that's just how it played out. Um, so then – you know, sh- short story, there's a community college here in Panama City, and that's where I attended. I, you know, finished up my associates from where I okay. left off. It took me just a few months um, and then got all my prereqs done for physical therapy program because they have one here. And um, I applied and got denied. I was like, okay, God, you know, maybe just need more time to apply myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Apply again. Denied. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. What's going on here? Um, I started working at a hospital trying to get more hours because hours look good on like Absolutely. applications. Right. Um, so I started to get more hours. I had like over a thousand hours. I'm okay. There's no chance that I'm not going to get in. This yeah. Um, again, I applied. Sorry. I'm Are like, you applying to these to different schools or the same school? Same school, same school. And I'm, I'm sitting there like I have all the prereqs. I have all these hours. Like what is like yeah. and I'm looking at I'm and I have people that I know like getting in. I'm like, what did you do different? <laughs> and so like, like what's what's going on? Um and I just remember this shift. I remember it was in November. Um or actually it was in January. In January I started getting my credentials for Assembly of God. Mm-hmm. And that was to January become, of to become a minister. 
he had to become a certified minister. And so I knew that God wanted me to minister, but I, I didn't want to do it full time. Sure. Um, and so I remember going through this and I started in January of 2021. No, sorry, 2020. And COVID had hit. And so right. we were doing all Zoom. And so in the process of getting my credentials, and I remember flashbacks in November, um, I go to a revival here in Panama and um, I had been fighting this urge of God telling me that he wanted me to preach. And I'm just mm. kept, I kept denying it. And this went on for weeks. Like, God, there's no way I'm just going to drop out of school. I've went this far. Right. No way. And I remember going into this, um, this service, amazing service. And the, I remember the pastor, um, I've heard him preach before, but he's from out of town. He doesn't know me. Um, and I remember him saying at altar, he's like, I just feel like God wants me to tell some people a few things. I'm okay. You know, I've seen a prophetic word before. Uh, and I didn't think nothing about it. And so I remember praying and I felt this urge to be selfish for some reason. So I was like, what do you mean be selfish, God? And, mm-hmm. and so I remember, I remember asking this. I said, okay, God, I said, we'd be selfish. Here's my selfish thing. If you want me to be in full-time ministry, you tell me tonight. If you don't tell me tonight, I'm not doing it. Wow. And it was a conversation just like that. Yeah. And I, and this is, it's, it's so unreal the way it happened. I prayed that prayer in less than five minutes. There's probably two, 300 people in this room. Um, I remember the pastor walking down the aisle and he points me out and he says, I want you to come here. And I, I made him in the aisle and you know, I get bounced everybody because I'm sitting like halfway in the pew or whatever. And I made him in the aisle and I remember him laying his hands on me and I just felt the Holy Spirit hit me. And he says, I don't know why God wants me to tell you this. But, and that was it. Holy Spirit slain me in spirit. That was it. Wow. Uh, last, last thing I remember, I don't remember what he told me. I just knew in my heart that was God's confirmation. Wow. Um, and so I remember, you know, coming to whatever service ended. Um, what do all Christians do after service? They go eat. So we went to walk. <laughs> yeah. So it's just how it is. It's a spiritual, and, it's a whole spiritual experience eating, of course. Exactly. And so I remember going to Waffle House. We went to Waffle House that night. And um, some people from our church had come with us. And uh, I knew that in my heart that God's confirmation was for me to preach after that because I just felt a peace. Oh. And I remember my buddy, he's older than me, like probably 10, 15 years older than me. He's like, bro, that's crazy what he told you. I'm like, I honestly don't even know what he told me. I just know that God told me he wants me to preach is all I know. Yeah. And he's like, no, man. He said, what he told you was wild. And I said, what did he tell me? And everybody just started like looking because they knew. And he's like, man, he told you to shut up and just preach. Wow. And I said, I said, wow. What? <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> he's like, that's what he told you. He said, everybody heard it. Everybody heard it in the room. And he's like, you didn't, how'd you not hear that? And I said, cause God hit me so hard, man. Wow. Um, and I felt like that was God's response. I was like, okay. Like I told you. <laughs> well, you're a big I guy, told you. Charlie. You're a big guy. Yeah. So it yeah. sounds like God just came and just hit you <laughs> pretty hard and knocked <laughs> you down. He took me down. <laughs> he took me down. And so he humbled me that night. And mm-hmm. so, um, I remember that night I went home and I told my parents, I was like, this is it. Like, um, I'm I'm not going back to school. Like I'm going into ministry. And I remember my mom telling me like my mom always used to say, You're gonna be a little preacher one day. She always used to say it. 
And she's like, I never actually thought that you would say this like mom. And so I remember my dad, he was very, in a sense, upset. Mm. He's like, Harley, he's like, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't you. And I'm like, dad, like, I know, mm. like, I know it's not me. Um, and so we, ha- we fought this for many weeks, not like arguing, but it was kind of the fact that I don't feel like this is what you're supposed to do. And I said, mm. I said, I know, I said, I know you feel that way. And I felt that way too, but this is what I'm supposed to do. And I just need you to trust me. And that was in November. And I remember um, praying about it. I was like, okay, God, you'll lead me to where I need to go. And so I continued working at the hospital. I remember one night, um, I don't know how it is everywhere, but, you know, here in our network, we have a DYD, which is our district youth director. Right. And I'm, I knew him very well. His name's Craig Hicks. He's still the DYD today. And he, I remember him texting me like at 10 o'clock at night. And this is probably right after the new year. And he's like, hey, had man, you started, uh, had you started doing ministry like youth ministry? You're working at the hospital, uh, but you're not doing ministry yet. No. So like I wasn't in full time ministry. I was serving at the church in youth. Okay. Um, I was doing I was a youth leader under my youth pastor. Got it. Um, so I was just like working behind the scenes. I wasn't okay. doing anything like full time. Sure. Um, and so I didn't know what it looked like. Um, I knew what it looked like in WeWalk, but I know that's not sure. how it looks like here in Wales because we're a small right. town. <laughs> Um, remember he texts me at 10 o'clock at night one night. And he's like, Hey man, like, I want you to know that there's a job opening here at San Andrews and we've got in Panama city. Um, they're looking for a youth pastor. Here's the, you know, the list, whatever. Um, this is what you want to do. Um, just let me know. And cause I'd reached out to him and told him, you know, that God had called me into ministry and should let me know if anything was to come up later. And he did. And, um, I remember praying about it. And I was like, okay, God, like you brought me this far. That was my always response. Like, you brought me this far. If this is what you want me to do, you open the door. If it's not, you'll shut it. I trust you. And I remember coming and talking to the pastor here. And short story, you know, two months later, I start full time here. Wow. And it happened literally so quick. Wow. Um, and so I remember stepping into this role and mm. didn't know from Adam, like, anybody at the church um whole another town the church is way bigger what i'm used to um and so i'm like okay this is a very large capacity that i'm not used to and so i'm like okay this is what we're we're just gonna do it and so i remember walking into the my first youth service um on wednesday night and there were seven kids that showed up and i was like okay this is awesome you know we went through it i I think I started out the first night actually sharing my testimony, like That's who I am, right. what's my story. Right. Uh, I said, I just want you to know who I am. And yeah. so that was two and a half years ago. And here we are today. God has, you know, our churches went through a lot. We've, you know, we've lost our worship pastor, our senior pastor, our kids pastor. Um, and literally like two months ago, uh, actually what's crazy about it is we hired our, um, so when we were in closing service at eco conference in mm-hmm. Dallas, they appointed our new pastor that Sunday morning. Wow. And so I wasn't there for that. And so yeah. like here they were hiring our new pastor and voting on him. They voted him, they voted him in while we were in the closing service. That oh morning. my goodness. Wow. And so I remember coming back and he's here and, uh, you know, he's, a. A really cool guy. I love him. Good. He's he's young. Good. He's thirty five years old. Yeah. Um, and you know, just God has blessed us. But yeah. it's 
you know, looking back at everything, it's just kind of like, it's a, it's a straight path, but walking through it, it's like, it didn't feel that way. No, it probably feels like circles and, and completely off, you know, you know, off the GPS map or, you know, there's no navigation signals whatsoever. You have no idea what it, what it will look like. And yet, it has brought you to this place. I mean, ministry is hard as, as, as you know, ministry is one of the toughest things. It's one of the toughest spiritual, emotional professions. Obviously there's much tougher physical professional uh, professions and mental health practitioners and, and others. They deal with a lot, but ministry is tough and he has, he has really prepared you for it. He has given mm-hmm. you a toughness and a strength of character that has prepared you to, to minister to kids, to youth. I've done kids and youth and it's not easy. And yeah. it's amazing. I love that you said it was a straight line in God's, in God's purview, right? In his perspective, it's a straight line. For you, for yes. everybody else, it's like, where am I going? It doesn't look straight to me. The path is not clear, right? Oh, yes. And, you know, the way I see it is, I don't know if you've ever been in one, but um, like it's, you go to these carnivals and fairs and there's like a mirror maze you're yeah, walking Yeah, right, right. And you're like, oh, wow, you're walking in that walk, you turn left, walking that walk, you turn left. <laughs> That's how it was with God. It was kind of like this whole journey was like, okay, I'm walking, bang, okay, yeah. which way I'll go now? Okay, God, this way. Um, was, it, was it hard for you to give up um, – football in in not being able to play it at school and i know you're finishing up your degree at um at sum bible college was that a hard part so physical therapy you were able to let that go was football playing that either at college or i don't know if there's even hopes of playing it professionally was that something hard to give up it was very hard um because it was literally in the time all i knew um football and my my faith was the two biggest things in my life yeah. and not saying that my football life outweighed my faith okay. but it was kind of like okay like I don't know what I'm gonna do now yeah. um and it was that scary part of like I've done this my whole life I've pushed myself and now I'm here and I'm never gonna do it again wow. um and it hurt um but I tell you the biggest thing God will put people in your life that will teach you Yes. That will show you and help you. Yeah. And um, I remember when I met my wife, um, you know, we were, we started dating back in 2014, like right after. Oh, wow. having, yeah. We, we dated for nine years. Oh, before we, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so we were high school sweethearts, you know, the, the, the usual, I guess I'll call it. But, um, and, but I remember when we got married, um, we got married two months after I got hired on here at the church. Wow. And, um, it was one of those amazing things because, um, you know, she's been anointed to be a worship leader. Mm-hmm. And so she stepped in as my worship leader in the awesome. youth. Yeah. And so, um, alongside her and all the help here at the church and my youth yeah. leaders, I have, 15, I have 15 amazing, uh, youth leaders and awesome. we've, we've grown to, you know, running, you know, 20, 30 kids on Wednesday nights now in youth. Right. And, um, and that's, you know, it's hard here in Panama because there's a church on every street corner, mm-hmm. um, literally, and it's hard to grow a youth group here in Panama, but I'm just so blessed because we've seen just 
miracles happen. We've seen kids' lives radically changed. And um, it's so easy for me to relate to these kids because um, I always take it back to like the story of today of like, guys, I've walked through like some hard times in my life. I can't imagine what you're walking through. Um, But I want you to know that you can get through it. Like there, there is hope. I promise you, even though it seems like there is not, there is. Well, and you have such credibility with your story to be able to share that. And I, as we wrap it up here, I, Harley, your story is just so, it really is incredible. You, you, you really can say to somebody who's struggling or hurting or, or, dealing with a major, you know, huge mountain, so to speak, that they've got to climb or somehow get through, you can, you can empathize with them. And you are an example of, of, of pushing through, but also of relying upon the Lord and seeking his will for your life. And so just an incredible, incredible example of the Lord at work in your life. And I'm excited to see how how the Lord continues to use you and continues to shape and use these early experiences to shape you and prepare you for for the next steps. Thank you so much for being. Oh, thank you. This this is an honor to be. Yes. Oh, this is an honor. Truly, I am honored, and I I appreciate you. Appreciate you sharing your story. I love what you're doing there um, in your ministry, but also how this is touching others. Well, thanks again for for being on, and thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, This has been the Nefesh Podcast with a special guest, Harley Bailey, and we have been so privileged to have him on, and we will talk to you next time.